Welcome, everybody. I'm Adam Hergenrother. This is Business Meets Spirituality, where we believe in personal growth through the business success. I'm joined by my chief of staff, Hallie Warner. Hallie, welcome. Hello. I know. Welcome. Just welcome you to the pump to have <laughs> you today. For the first time after exactly. almost a year. Yeah. Exactly. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, today we are, um, you and I have been asked um, over the last couple months about this question a lot. It's come up a lot with our coaching. It's come up between you and I. It's come up with a lot of our our internal employees. We've just acquired a couple more companies, so it's, it's tend to come up a lot more. And um, it's really our philosophy, though, in business, right, is to really lead through other people, right? At least for from our standpoint, is always giving people the opportunity to go run their division. Um, so we're not speaking directly to an entrepreneur, we're speaking to an employee, we're speaking to anybody that's in a leadership role within an organization or striving to be into a leadership role right. in an organization. And that is really how do you make the transition from being let's just call it like being in the business is the easy way to say it, like doing the act, the tactical work, the kind of reactionary work that's happening uh, in there to really working on the business, which is very strategic in nature, which isn't an instant gratification of the result, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, maybe not even so reactionary, but just being the producer, yes. being the one responsible for producing an actual work product. Yes, exactly. Versus being the person who's responsible for leading the person yes. who's responsible for producing the work product. Yes. Yeah. That's a great way of saying it. Oh, it's like if a board needs to get painted, right? If you don't paint it, but somebody's painting it, that's the person painting it actually gets it done, but you hire the person to paint it, right? It's the same. Mm -hmm. It's the, how do you, how do you stop painting the board and then get somebody else to paint it so that the whole project gets complete, right? Well, the reason why I say reaction, cause I, I was um, in a, the book 11 rings, which I think is a really good book. They talk a lot about, you know, uh, Phil Jackson moves from being a player to a, to an assistant, full-time assistant coach. And he thought that his world was never going to be the same. Cause he's like, Hey, I'm a player. That's where all the, the goodness is. That's where you get that drive. That's that flair, that excitement, that energy of just being able to make the shot right? Mm -hmm. Like to make the shot to be, and I said reactionary because they use that term. When you're in the game, you're very reactionary, it, like yeah. instantly in the moment, trying to stop the ball. You're trying to shoot the ball. You're trying to pass the ball, whatever it is. And he said, when he had a big fear in his life of moving over into an assistant, full-time assistant coach, because he never thought he was going to get that feeling again. And then he instantly realized that, wow, I can actually have the same feeling. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just having the broaden my horizon to see the entire chessboard, to see the entire basketball game in moving pieces strategically, even when the strategic moves were four moves down the line so that you're thinking through how one pass is going to lead to somebody being open to somebody else being open to being double teamed so that they get person could be open to make the shot. Well, you're shifting your perspective from an individual satisfaction or individual contribution or an individual win really yeah to the win of the, you have to shift your perspective to the win of the team's win or the, those individuals win is then your. Yes. Win. Yeah. Well, that's how you see. And, and the first thing that you'll understand is when you try to go succeed through other people, uh, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually very hard. It's very humbling because, you know, we, we talk about this um, a lot. Whereas when you have a drive, if you're starting from zero, you can bring your level of productivity up to a certain level because you're very entrepreneurial nature. Even if you're an employee in a business, right? Yeah. You just get in there and you can just use your will, right? To make something move down the line till it gets to a finished product. When you're leading through other people, it's harder because you're not actually moving the product. You're you supporting somebody it. to push the product up there. So this is the reason why I bring that up is because it's the shift in how you think that has to occur first in order for you to be fully 
um, equipped to go on this journey. If you, if you're, you know, cause people talk about, Hey, I'm just going to go make these couple of hires. Well, it's not just making the hires. There's a whole, first of all, you got to make sure that the actual talent, right. And you have to figure out how do you actually lead through them? And a lot of, we see in, in early stage entrepreneurship, you see people make a hire and then they actually end up doing their job for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Or it's like, they need to go, they've made a hire for somebody to do the marketing, but then they feel like they need to be in there doing the marketing too, which is defeating the whole purpose. It would be like the basketball coach trying to coach, but then wants to go in and play and actually make the shot too, as well. It's just, you can't have both. And there's so many people that are straddling the line. This is a line that I used yesterday with a, with a CEO was, I'm like, the reason why you're struggling and you're actually struggling is right where they're succeeding. But the reason why you're stuck for the last three or four years is because you have your foot in doing it and you have your toe in wanting to be in leadership, but you want to get in leadership, but you actually have this fear that's not allowing you to actually go fully into it yet. And what's the, what's the fear? Well, it always comes to money, right? I mean, that's the number one thing is I don't have enough money to pay this person. What if they fail? And that that is mostly because you've, either you haven't, you don't have the savings or you have got yourself addicted to a lifestyle based on your production of income that needs to maintain that level. In either event, um, it's preventing you from actually saving money to invest into other people. And I, well, from an employee perspective, I would say that's not my fear when I hire somebody to lead them because well, it's your money. <laughs> I mean, you know, I <laughs> yes, treat it like I my own, it. but it's, but it's it, your, yeah. your, your money, not mine. Um, but for me, it's the fear, the, that fear of letting go and letting someone else own it is mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, I still feel like it's ultimately my responsibility. And so I'm trying to stay in there and control it because I don't want them to fail. And then in fact, then you end up micromanaging or being the diminisher leader, um, which is from the book multipliers. But, um, and you actually end up doing that person a huge disservice by holding on when you really need to let them go forward and fail. For me, it's, it's, it's essentially um, a fear of failure Yeah. because if I let them fail, that means I failed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so how do you work through that? Well, um, I'm still working through that, but well, what's um, the first step for somebody that's maybe saying, okay, I'm there. What's that first step? I mean, a lot of it is I just, is self-talk and I, yes. t- and I talk yeah. to myself about it's awareness, right? Right. And it's okay. Letting go of the outcome. Yes. It's okay. If they fail, it, it doesn't, it's yes, it's a reflection on me as a leader to a certain degree, but only if I didn't set clear expectations, hold that person highly accountable. And then if they still fail or still make a mistake, that's, that is more on them. Yes. If I've, if I've done my due diligence as a leader by setting those clear expectations, making sure they're trained, communicating appropriately and holding them accountable. Um, at some point you do have to let them, they, they got to just do the job. One of the, um, the best ways to think about it too, is, you know, you, you need to set up with clear expectations, right? Set up the, 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 the largest opportunity for somebody to succeed in whatever you're asking them to do, right? I was looking for that quote. That's, yeah. that's what you saw yeah. me look at my desk. You're, you're looking for somebody to, you're, you're providing a system, a process, a, an environment for people to be able to succeed at the highest level. And then you let go of the outcome. And then if somebody's failing multiple times in the same thing, that may be a person problem, right? And then you would deal with it directly. That's how you need right. to deal with it. It's actually kind of paradoxical to a certain extent too, when you start to, and you use the word diminisher kind of leadership. If you naturally people, when they hire somebody, they still want to be the biggest voice for whatever they actually delegated to that person. Cause they feel they need to be in that role, being the voice saying it and like feeling in control of it. Well, they still want to feel, I mean, to a certain degree, you still want to feel significant or your value. Sometimes you feel like your value is starting to 
go away if yeah. you no longer um, are being are the producer, yeah. right? You're like, well, what do I have to show for my 10 hour day? Yeah. What did I actually do? And, you, and you, you'll feel like a fraud and hopefully that word resonates with some people with imposter syndrome. I just like to use it. We feel like a fraud. I'm going to get into that in a second. Um, the, but going back to the thing is like, it's paradoxical because you, when you, it's like you want to be the leader. So you think in your mind that you need to be the loudest voice to be the, the biggest leader. And that's where people naturally go to in their first kind of mistake in leadership is they go, I've hired this person, but now I need to get in there. And now I need to literally um, be the louder than them and show them what I can do and like, and do their job for them essentially. And they get caught in that instead of actually um, allowing them instead of the opposite, which is what, how our philosophy is you make the right hire. You set very clear expectations for what needs to happen, particularly the first 90 days. And then you give them the opportunity to, for them to be louder than you on what they're doing. Right. Right. In theory, you've hired somebody who is either highly skilled in that role, an expert in their mm-hmm. role, smarter than you in the role. And if you've done all those things, then you've got to let them. Yeah. Then you let you them gotta let, hold them accountable, yes. train them, set them up for success. But then ultimately, if you're doubting that you may have made the wrong hire. Yeah. Or, and so, yeah, you're right. So when you, when you do that and you, and you, and you give them the opportunity to be the louder voice, it actually strengthens you as a leader. Oh, yeah. Because then they're yeah. the ones, then somebody's from the outside is going, wow, you see Holly over there? She's up on stage doing her thing over there. Like, oh, wow, she works for that company. And then it just instantly strengthened you as a leader. So part of that is knowing when to give other people the spotlight, right? And then knowing when you need to be the one who actually delivers a message. But it's, so part of it is making that shift of, I'm going to let, so I'm going to succeed through other people, which means may not happen to the same degree that I am. It may happen a little bit differently than the way I would normally do it within a confined boundary of what you set. But as long as you focus on the result, provide the environment, support them, and you let go of the outcome, the journey is just much more fun that way. And that's kind of business meets spirituality, right? To a certain extent is you set up the business environment and then you kind of let go of needing to be in control of that. And that in itself is working on yourself, right? And allowing the other people to shine. Then what happens, which is really cool, is you actually start to realize, I don't actually need to be there doing everything. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like your first kind of, t- I remember for me personally, um, when I was in college, I had this example of, um, I had like 700 bucks in my bank account. I was a freshman in college and my friend who was not in college, but in college, right. He like lived in my dorm room the entire time. His dad owned a used car dealership and he came to me and he said, Hey, I think we can buy this used car for a thousand bucks and sell it for like $2,000 and make like a thousand dollars. Tremendous amount of money at any time. But to me, when I had $700 or whatever it was, that was a lot of money. So he said, I need $500. And I was like, dude, I've got like $700 and like I'm working during college, but like, I'm in, and he's like, I was like, okay. And so I literally wrote out a check for 500 bucks. I never saw the vehicle. I never worked on the vehicle. I never sold the vehicle. I never, I just stayed and did my thing. And we sold it like a week later. And I don't remember exactly what the amount was, but we, we may have made like two grand. So we made like a thousand, so more than doubled my investment. It was like a 200% return on my investment. But what was more important to me in that moment was I actually felt what it was like to truly give somebody else opportunity and to leverage out and just to get a return on that. And that shaped my career a lot. And I just, why I go back to it was never the actual dollar amount. It was the fact that I learned that, wow, this is, you don't actually be the one having to do everything. Right, right. <laughs> you yeah. can actually use your, your money because that's what you're doing when you're investing into other people to go get the return, right? When you, when you make a hire, they should give you time and a return, not one or the other. They should give you both. And so it, when you, when you do that, however, 
What can happen is when you start to to succeed through people. Now, if you're not succeeding, you don't feel this way. But when it's when you're succeeding through somebody and it's actually working and you're making it succeeding, let's call it monetarily, right? You're making money from there. You can feel like a fraud, right? We we use those words before. I've coached a lot of people through this. In fact, almost the last couple months, it feels like it's come up a lot. I would say maybe not even the making money because again, <laughs> I'm going to use myself as an example. That I guess I was talking from an entrepreneur standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From entrepreneurs yeah. for making money, but even employees can experience that feeling like a fraud when all of a sudden you've hired three great people around you and you're like, guess the company doesn't need me anymore. Yeah. Which has honestly been a conversation that you and I have had over the years. Every time like we make a hire. Every six months, probably. <laughs> every time we make a hire, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, Hallie. Like, I, know. I always find something to do. Yes, you do. And you always have a backlog of everything. But yeah. it just goes to show. Like, So uh, thank you for bringing that perspective in there. I, I see it from my perspective as as an entrepreneur or if you're in charge of, of the money situation. Sure. When, when, and Because that's typically people that I'm coaching. When when they're in that role, they when they start making money and they're not doing the painting, right? Just use that analogy that we talked about earlier, but it gets all done and they're being a benefit from that. They go, oh, like, I don't think I'm holding a value. Like, I feel like an imposter. I feel like a fraud because I'm not doing it. Yeah, I was right? going to say they get the money and they also get all of the recognition, yes. all of the accolades. And they're like, oh my God, I, but I, did, I didn't do it. Yeah. But the reality is- You did do it. They did. Yeah, you made right? the hire. You made the hire. You led that person. You coached that person. You, you reviewed the work. You- there's so many, your, your, your yeah. fingerprint is like all over it. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and people miss that step, right? They, they don't see that every business needs a coach. And for, for us, business is a sport, right? It's just this fun sport. We've let go of the outcome, and, but yet get behind and fight like hell, right? Mm -hmm. Like to, to get towards that result and all those things that you can do. And that just allows you to go on this journey without having to be sucked into, I need something from somebody, right? You're, you're setting the environment, up, the environment up, and then you're supporting them to be able to lead through that. Ultimately, by the way, too, there's another thing that happens with this that people miss, um, which is really key because a lot of people that you're just talking from an entrepreneur standpoint for a second and we'll go to the employee stand side, but they want to go build multiple businesses. I say, hey, I can't wait to do this. I'm going to go open that and all those things. Well, what happens is when you, if you personally go try to open up another business, now your time is diluted left by call it 50%. Now you start having varied success and you get 50% on both companies and your life is more miserable. <laughs> and somebody probably listening just goes, yeah, that's me because you've started doing everything. It's not because you had the idea. It's not because you actually started it. It's only because you physically were trying to do the painting in both companies. Whereas what you have to unwind this wheel, this wheel, yeah, wheel, um, you unwind this wheel and you realize, okay, and this is our kind of perspective and, and, and our philosophy of this is when I'm going to start another business, the first question is, do we have somebody in our organization that's going to do it? Or who do we need to go hire to put in charge of doing this because it's not going to be me, right? And it's not, well, it's not you doing it. It's you supporting it and your entire business supporting it at whatever level it is, or you're using your money to support it, but you don't ever want the job. And that's what a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize is they think they need to go get the job. Well, something will happen from this. Once you start having the job, you start getting addicted to the income based on the actual result work that you're doing. Right. Cause you also don't, right. You don't have to 
you don't have to pay somebody <clears throat> a six figure salary to run that company. So you're like, yeah, that's all mine now. Exactly. And so then you end up, and if you're making $200,000 from your one business, now you end up making a hundred thousand and a hundred thousand, <laughs> or you start making 50 and a hundred thousand, you actually can go backwards because you're realizing you're spreading yourself too thin. So the thing that you have to understand is it's perfectly fine to really want multiple companies. However, you can't be the one to do that and run multiple companies. So this is where it comes in. Before you think about multiple companies, let's just bring it back to your sole business and making sure that you're truly leading through other people before you try to go expand your business too. And and by that, I think you mean that the business can, the business needs to be able to run without you. Yes. You need to be able to go away for six months and the business not only survives, but actually grows. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a very well put out there comment. Um, I, I, I disagree a little bit. Like I get what you're saying hundred percent and that'd be the the goal. I think that there's, you know, um, you know, you have kind of the different levels of leadership. I think there's, I think of like being able to just move away from that is when you're purely an investor that has no active role in the company to a certain extent, you have to be somewhat involved in even just like setting leadership and I'm not, it can be limited like several hours a month. But I think of like mail check is that that level where you can go literally away for a long period of time and the business runs. Now, there are business owners that have enough staff that they're really acting as just basically a board member and or in a large investor, which is completely different than being a CEO of the company. So then cl- can clarify for me and listeners, then what is that point where it's okay to go start that other business. When you have somebody, you have a CEO running the company who is literally running the company. Well, I, I guess that's what I said, meant when I said you can go away. Yeah, I would say, but I think people hear that and they think that they should be able to go ahead when they just have employees. There's a difference between, I just so, want to make the yes, connection yes, between so people clear. don't make yeah. a mistake in thinking that I've got four people signed up I went away for a week and like the ship sell. Like, I mean that you are already, you're there in the, in the physical space or in the workspace, yet you've been away and you've seen that I don't really need to be involved that much here. Right. Yeah. Okay. And in fact, and so that's when I see you're, you're acting more as like a, a board member or a major investor because now you've got, think of like Warren Buffett. Right. And you get right? your updates once a month. Ex- exactly. Give exactly. a little course correction, make sure the vision is still on point and. Yeah. You have a, maybe a board meeting once a month and they're telling you where the plans are. You're looking at numbers, you're reviewing those things. So at that point, now it's time to turn your attention to a new Exactly. Business. That's okay. exactly right. People just make the, the, they want all of this and they see people doing that, but they don't see the numbers behind what people are doing. We do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll just go out and tell you that most people doing that are not succeeding. Yeah. They're just not, they're actually losing money, but it looks like on the surface that they're making a lot of money. And so, or they're doing all these fun things. So then everyone goes, I want to go do what that person is doing. And I'm going, no, you don't. Yeah, yeah I know. No, it's, you know. It's, from co- it's from coaching that we yes. see, we see so much of this and that there's like these, those five different businesses and, and this one or two people running the five different businesses yet really, um, I'm just thinking of an example right now. Yes. The, um, they're not doing well. No. And they're, they're either, the businesses are either failing or they have major organizational issues, um, employee morale issues, leadership issues, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not a function of the leader. It's just, they try to go do too many things without solidifying the right people in place first. And because we it can takes time. say this because we have failed yes. at this before. We spent millions of dollars yes. going through this. Millions yes. of dollars invested into this. And we know this. now yes. that if we're going to do anything... Yes. You got to find that person to run it first. Exactly. And you hold them highly accountable to that and you work through there. So um, the other thing is, so going back to what do you do, right? What's the first kind of step that you do? First is 
you have to, what I explain to people is you have to commit to being on and succeeding through people. This means the books that you're reading are no longer about selling. They're about, or painting, right? In this example, it's not about your craft. It's about leadership. It's about investing into people. It's like the inward journey, right? It's about knowing your behavior. It's about really studying yourself. So then you can then apply that to other people. You know what it is? It's also, um, it's about uh, hearing what's unheard. Hearing what's unsaid? Not unheard. Like okay. things that, well, or, or maybe unsaid. I just, I, I think of that as like, you're, as a leader, you need to be able to pick up on things that aren't said, Right. Like, okay, I get That's it. what it's, I all said. Right, all right. I'll give it to you. Yes. Okay. But um, it's, yes. yeah, you're right. So it's, uh, it's about, yeah, it's about hearing those things that Absolutely. other people can't hear. Yeah. It's about paying attention to things that employees don't even know are happening, but you know, because you've had this, again, we kind of go back to, I believe the next generation of leaders in business know just, just as much about their inner world as they do about spreadsheets, bottom lines, and those things, because it's about leading through people in a conscious way, right? In a very, you letting, meaning like you're letting go of the outcome, you're still very focused on the result. I think people get this mistake mixed up sometimes where they hear about business meets spirituality, or they hear about kind of a consciousness or like I'm a conscious business. And they think it's about lackadaisicalness or not results oriented has nothing to do with that. Can, can you clarify that a little bit more? Because I've, we've said that several times on this podcast. And even I started saying like, I'm contradicting myself. When you let go of the outcome, you're letting go. We say we're going to lead through others. We're going to let go of the outcome, but yet we're going to hold them highly accountable to a result. Yeah. Tell me about that. What you're letting go of is you're letting go of you needing something from the outcome. So you're letting go of your personal side of the outcome. So let go of needing something from the outcome. Exactly. You're, hold them accountable. Exactly. The you're not letting go of the result. Yeah. You're holding the result and you're pushing it. But when you don't need the result to happen, you can adjust course. You can see it clearer. You're not going to respond with negative energy behind it when it doesn't happen. If you lose in a game and you needed the outcome to happen, you're going to be suffering for a long period of time. That's why I say the journey is much more um, enjoyable in business when you can be laser focused, hold people accountable, a culture of execution, but then let go of the personal side of needing any of that to happen. And that's also, that's really the phrase need nothing and enjoy everything. Meaning it, again, it's, so hopefully that kind of clarifies for people that in business and your sport, it doesn't mean you just kind of, you're, you're, you're laying down if a tiger is chasing you. No, you get up and you can fight, but you let go of the outcome when you're fighting in business. And it just makes the, otherwise, think about it, because everyone has probably done it the other way. They've been so involved with something because they needed it to get done for something that they're going to benefit from right? They needed it because they needed to go on this vacation, right? And, and they needed it to be able to buy this car or even just pay their bills to a certain extent. It's all the same context of those things. When you said let go of needing something from the outcome, that for me was highly clarifying. Yes. Because we are in business, we are still looking for a specific outcome. We just don't want an attachment. Yes. Personal attachment to that specific outcome. And that's all spirituality is literally right there. That's it. That's okay. all that's we're done. We're done. But that is unpacking the word spirituality. People just, they think it's about laying in a cave or something. It's literally about just self-accusation and removing yourself from the situation that you're doing. Because then when you do that, you no longer responding from those things. So when you feel like a fraud, when you feel like, you know, when you're, when you're trying to succeed through other people and it's not happening the same way, if you're tied to something that's there personally, it's going to be hard for you to make corrective decisions in that moment instead of being able to see it very clear. 
Yeah. So let's go back to when you were talking about committing to that leadership path. Yes. So when you've commit, when you start committing to the leadership path and I mean, you really do have to, you have to kind of let go of some of, you have to let go of being number one in sales. Mm -hmm. You have to let go of having your name on everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that to me is when sometimes you do start feeling like that fraud. So talk to me a little bit more about what do you do with all of those feelings and how do you shift your perspective and where do you focus instead? Yeah. Well, I think the, the conversation comes up and is when you, when those feelings start to arise, it means one that you've become aware of it, which means that you're not very driven by your ego necessarily to that level. Because when you're driven purely by your ego, you're still going to have your name on every sign. You're still going to be the one that's the diminishing leader. Right. But when you start to realize that I'm going to lead through other people, like in that example, and that you really go down that path, you then have to use business as this opportunity to let go of the part of you that feels it needs to be connected to it, right? And that's that's the, the spirituality side of that. It's literally when you start letting go of that, when the feeling shows up, you go, I've got some work to do. This is making me feel like I'm a fraud. Okay, why do I feel like a fraud? Then just journal about it. Literally every day when I journal about these things, I'm just journaling things of emotions that show up because of, so I can get clear from that of understanding why they're there. Right. And so when you start feeling like a fraud, then I just work somebody through and go, why do you feel like you're a fraud? And they're going to say, well, because I'm not doing the result, but we're getting this money from there. I don't feel like I'm leading it. I go, well, no, you are. You're the one who hired this person. You're leading them. You've created this environment. What about the last 10 years that you've built this organization up to this point to be able to allow people to take it to the next level? You just need to realize now your job is to actually create a lot more input so that you can create more output for your team, i.e. your job is to actually grow yourself literally grow yourself inward, mastering your behavior, mastering strategic relationships, understanding relationships, understanding, you know, modeling more, understanding how to be purposeful in your modeling, understand, you know, your, your North star, your GP, all the tactics that leadership bring in that becomes your job to focus on. So then at that point you can then implement that. So the rest of the team has clarity, has your vision, and then you just remove the roadblocks. And that becomes your job. Now, remember, removing roadblocks may only show up once a week for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. but you've removed it. And so your job just becomes highly skilled because of the knowledge you have. So you don't no longer need to spend 40 hours on solving problem that only takes you five minutes. It's like the whole story where that's like, you know, the production line is going and it's cost them a million dollars an hour for them to not have it running. And all of a sudden it goes off course and, you know, they try to fix it themselves and they bring somebody, they hours are off and they, they bring somebody in there and the guy comes in there and he looks at one thing and takes a hammer out and taps one thing and it takes him 30 seconds and it's back online. They send the bill for like a million dollars and they're like, well, what all you to come in here and, and kind of tap this thing for one minute? How are you charging me a million dollars? And the guy's like, well, it's because of my 20 years of knowledge of knowing where to hit it. Right. And I think that's a, that's an example of leadership. Isn't about the time allocation. It's about knowing how to make the right moves to succeed, right. To move the team forward. And that becomes your transition mentally from moving from thinking like an individual contributor to thinking strategically. And that strategic thought pattern needs to happen for you implementing, putting a whole bunch of knowledge so then you can share it with your team. And go back to the, the context of thinking plus action equals results. 
if you want a new result for your business, which means you want to grow your business, your thinking needs to basically create a new vortex that people can come up into. So literally, as you change your thinking, it literally creates a new path, not physically like through a field, but it creates a new path for your team to be able to walk down at a higher level. And your team doesn't even realize it's happening. But that personal gro- that's what personal growth is, right? It's changing somebody's thinking. And so when you start, that becomes your job. And when you focus on that, it's not going to happen. Like if I said, you know, go out and dig a one foot ditch, you would feel satisfied from digging it. Right. Whereas if you've got to go create a house, you've got to, you know, design a plan and then you've got to get the foundation and then you've got to hire an excavator to come in there. It takes a much longer process to get there, but the end result is so much larger. And so this stepping in there is that I am going to pull the bow back in order to go forward. It's meaning it's slowing down to speed up, right? We've heard that conversation before. When you make this transition into, I want to be a leader, you've got to make the transition of where your priorities are and what you focus on. And as you change those priorities to, again, working on yourself, because that is the biggest, people want self-leadership. They want leaders who are willing to do these things. So if you work on yourself and then use that to as a catalyst to train everybody else around you, that becomes it. And then you're giving people the freedom we talked about that before, right? Then you're giving people the autonomy to go out there and run their part of the project or the whole project. Going um, back to the to the leadership conversation um, about, yes, it's about leading through people in the self-leadership perspective, but also that you, and it's all about the personal growth that we were talking about. You have to be so committed to going on the journey of the letting go of the fraud. I don't really necessarily know how to say it, but because it's going to, it's so easy be, to, for that feeling to be so uncomfortable, that fraudulent feeling. And like, I'm, I'm not getting instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not seeing the results fast enough. It's so easy to go back in. It's either, it's either easy to start micromanaging or it's very easy to just go back in and say, I can just do it better myself. And then you never act. The business never grows. You never grow in your leadership. And then you Ultimately come back never grows. Yeah, and then you come back and say, it just didn't work for me. I don't know what people are talking about because really what happens is you go for like 30 days or 15 days or 60 days. And all of a sudden in the first you hire somebody and then what people make the mistake and go, Oh, I've hired Holly. Here you go. I'm done. And they kind of move away from it sometimes mm-hmm. that can be the other thing. And then when you let go of it so much that the results start showing up and then you, then you've gone so far deep in the hole financially, you have to actually physically step back in and counter produce money to be able to keep your business afloat. And it's, but it's like when you hire somebody, particularly in the beginning, I guess this never ends. It's like when you give somebody a book, right? I love this kind of analogy. When you give somebody a book or example, and that's the job that you're giving them is the book, that person should be in a series of 60, 90, 120 days, ripping this out of your hands to the point if they're, if you're saying, if this person's going, dude, if you don't give me this book, I'm going to leave. And if, and that's, that's when you let go, but too many people grab a book and throw it on somebody's desk and say, I'm out, right? Like I'm, I'm so much pain involved in doing this job. I don't want anything to do with it. We well, got to hold on a little bit longer. In fact, we've said this a lot in, in teaching, you know, career visioning or different aspects of, of hiring is that your days actually get longer when you first hire somebody. And I think people have this fallacy that's the opposite. It's like instantly going to happen. No, it will. You'll gain your time back but it's like a throttle on a boat. Like it takes a little bit of time to come up on plane. Once it comes up on plane, then you're able to turn the job over because you have clear expectations that are set. Um, the, this whole concept of fraud and the imposter syndrome comes up a lot. Um, and I get this question, asked this question a lot from our executive assistant, chief of staff, kind of founder 
community because a lot of um, a lot of people wonder and ask like the you know executives feel like frauds because they have these awesome EAs or these awesome chiefs of staff who do so much of the work right the the product work writing emails writing speeches creating content writing presentations um, managing their day telling them where to go telling them who to meet with and so these executives often feel well this is the feedback I get yeah. the executive I know you don't necessarily feel this way but some executives feel like what do I even do I just you know what am I doing all day my everything's taken care of and where do I where do I fit in and and then actually that fraudulent feeling then what do they do? They go in and they start to control their EA or they start getting in and they start micromanaging or, other, you know, start controlling, trying to control other staff to feel more significant. So how do you, um, what would you tell executives, i.e. any leader, how to work through that? Well, what do you tell them when they ask you that? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I think it goes back to what we've been talking about is that it, it's really, it's mindset shift. Mm -hmm. They have to really First of all, that mean, one, that means they have amazing staff and talent if they can just be like, what do I even do all day? So that's a win for them. Um, and then two is they have to, they have to go way deeper on their leadership for a couple of reasons. One, because they want, you know, they need to continue to do their personal growth. But two, if they want to keep that level of talent, mm -hmm. if they don't keep growing that, that level of talent's going to exactly. leave Yeah, because they're just like. I, they're they're not pushing their ceiling higher, which means that um, the EA or the chief of staff or, or even just any staff is going to keep hitting their ceiling of achievement if their leader doesn't keep upping their game. Yeah. You know, it reminds me because at some point, I think it was 2012, 2013 is when I was introduced to that concept because I was having that conversation with my coach at the time. And they said, let me guess, you feel like a fraud. And I said, I was like silent. I'm like, that's exactly right. And why did you feel that way? Because of the exact same thing that you're, you're thinking is that having success through people and I was making money and I really wasn't doing anything. And I'm like, what do I do? Mm. Like that's, I was like bored. I was like, what am I doing? Like, what do I even do now? Like, mm -hmm. what, do, what do I need to show up? Like, what, what is this? What does it look like? Um, and so the first thing that was actually refreshing to me in this, if you're in this situation, it may be to you, you're not alone. <laughs> so understand that this isn't something that's only happening to you. I think people have this impression that only they feel like that. It's not true. Every entrepreneur well, not every, but the majority of entrepreneurs go through that stage. Oh, and leaders. And leaders. And yeah, so I mean, leaders or entrepreneurs go through the stage. And so what you need to realize is like, okay, this is part of my journey. This is part of my growth. Then what is my priority now to add the biggest value to the organization? That was the, that was the focusing question that I just had. And the response was, you need to go get more input. You may need to go read for six or seven hours a day. You may need to go work, you know, do, go take a behavioral class for a week about understanding you and other people's behavior so you can help unstuck people that are stuck. So it becomes all about your growth so that you can grow to everybody else. And, and fundamentally, human beings, don't we grow to give? And that's ultimately when you become a leader, that becomes your gift is that you focus on your growth, not from a self-needing uh, place, but you're growing so that you can grow through any experience so that you can give to everybody else on your team and, and help it, them experience the same thing that you did. It's exactly right. Walk them through. Exactly. But the only way you can walk somebody really through that is to grow yourself and then share with them how you grew through that. And then ultimately you're creating an organization that's constantly focused on personal growth. You've reached the end of another episode of business meets spirituality. If you like what you heard and feel inspired to do so, please leave a review. It's awesome hearing from listeners like you. And remember, never give up on joy.